Hello and welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts, talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Matt Curtis, pastor of Decision Life Church in Marika, California. And I'm Kevin Sheehan, associate pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Well, hey, we're back for another exciting episode of Matt and Kevin Talk Church. Are you excited, Matt? Yeah, I am excited. I am pumped. I am all, all right. in. All right. All right. Well, let's do this. So, hey, we were just talking and uh, we realized that we we both preached yesterday on, we didn't say that we had similar sermons, but uh, we, we kind of bumped up against a similar theme in both of our sermons. Uh, I've been preaching through Jonah. Matt's been preaching through Genesis, Genesis for about like 17 years now. No, it's almost a year, not okay. quite a year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're getting close to the end. You're on chapter 48? Yep. I'll be in 48 this next week. Yep. Okay. Getting so close to the end. Wrapping yep. it up. Uh, yep. And so- inspired by you, well, not you, but, you know, I, we're going to do Colossians next. So, oh. you know, wow. I'm going to dive. I'm going to dive in. I'm touched. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you hopefully, didn't write Colossians. Hopefully it's, it's like, inspired by it's the Holy like, Spirit. Right. Well, I just me. meant, yeah, I just meant, you know, our discussion of it. I thought that would be fun to you, do that next. You should not take your cues from me. You should know that by now. Well, at this point, <laughs> like, you know, 25 years in, the habit is pretty ingrained. So, <laughs> yeah, if you're taking your cues from me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess <laughs> I, I guess I did seminary in the pastorate first. So who's taking their cues from who? But, um, yeah. but, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Got yeah. me there. Okay. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I was preaching yeah. in Jonah chapter one yesterday. You know, in Jonah chapter one, Jonah kind of does everything wrong. Jonah is sort of an anti-hero in many ways, um, and he just refuses to go along with what the Lord asks him to do. He refuses to go along with what the mariners, the sailors, ask him to do. He's just sort of like this pig-headed, stubborn guy who just does the opposite of what everyone asks him to do. And eventually, the, the, in the middle of the storm on the sea, the, the sailors or the mariners are just, it's almost like they're at their wit's end. They don't know what's going on. And they finally just turn to him and say, you know, what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? All this stuff. And he says something really interesting. He says, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And on the face of it, it sounds like he's just answering his, their question in sort of a... But the order of his answer matters. Well, in just sort of a straightforward way. Like he answers the question, like we would say, oh, well, I'm, I'm Kevin, I'm from Pennsylvania, blah, blah, blah. But the way it's written in the, in the Hebrew language, the emphasis... Yeah. Not saying I'm a Hebrew, he's saying I... I'm a Hebrew, like there's ethnic pride built into the way he, he words yeah. it. And he says, I'm a Hebrew implication. Unlike you dirty Gentiles. Yeah. I fear Adonai. Unlike you pagans. Who is the God of heaven. And when that phrase is used in the old Testament, it usually is in an international context to emphasize that Adonai, the Lord is above and beyond all other gods, all other Kings, all, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, and so there's there's sort of this, I'm better than you, uh, uh, tone to the response that he gives to these sailors. Well, in a ton of irony, I fear the Lord, but not enough to obey him. Right, and I fear the I mean, the, the Lord who <laughs> made the sea, and yet I'm escaping to the sea, which is now trying to kill us all. You know, right. so he, he's sort of 
true to his name being silly and senseless and all this kind of stuff. Well, um, yeah. And the yeah. pagan sailors turn out to be more spiritually attuned than he is. Well, right, right. And like that, yeah. that's kind of part of the part of the deal of, of yeah. chapter one, at least one well, really of the whole book. But yeah, I'm, you know, I made the point is that immature faith or even just plain false faith often conflates earthly identities with spiritual realities. Right. So Jonah comes at it and says, look, I'm a Hebrew. I fear Adonai, or at least, you know, I go through the motions or, you know, whatever of fearing Adonai. Does he actually? Probably not. But, but he falls back on his earthly identities as sort of, first of all, his, um, his one-upsmanship over the sailors, but also some sense of I'm okay and you're not. Like he doesn't really seem concerned about the storm like everyone else does. In fact, he's been trying to sleep it off in the bottom of the boat. And so he conflates his earthly identities with spiritual reality. The spiritual reality is he's not right with the Lord. Yeah. But, but he's falling back on, well, I'm a Hebrew, so I must be okay. And mm-hmm. I just kind of made the point. It's like, you know, we, we all have a tendency to do that, especially those of us that grew up in, you know, Christian America or grew, grew up going to the church and maybe have you know, a whole ancestry of parents and grandparents and whoever who are, have been good churchgoers or pastors or preachers or missionaries. And we kind of fall back on well, surely I'm okay, or surely God will bless me because, and we rattle off some sort of earthly identity, which may or may not correspond to spiritual reality whatsoever. So that was the warning, you know, that, that I was trying to relate yesterday as I was preaching through Jonah 1, of just being really wary of that um, and, and knowing ourselves well enough, being self-aware enough to recognize uh, when we're falling into that trap. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, I did Jonah, I don't know, I guess it's been more than a year now since I've been in Jonah for, I mean, since I've been in Genesis for so long. Uh, but there's really a, like, it's showing just how wicked nationalism is in a lot of ways. Uh, just having a pride in, and not that patriotism is bad, but nationalism is a problem. And when, your country or your origin or your even your ethnicity when that identity matters more than your you know your your relationship to god then there's right i mean you're in, there's just profound error um so that's i mean in many ways that's what that book is warning against yeah i heard an interesting um definition of patriotism versus nationalism the other day he said i think i have this right patriotism is loving your country nationalism is thinking that God loves your country more than the other countries. I like that. I was like, oh, that's actually a good way to distinguish yeah. between those two. The patriotism, patriotism is a is a valid and good, you know, love for country. Um, right. Nationalism says God loves my country more than your country, <laughs> and that's and that's what Jonah's doing, right? I'm a Hebrew, right. and you're not. Yeah, you know, you're you're just Gentiles, and I I fear the Lord, and you don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, you know, that's not how you win friends. <laughs> And that's not how you do evangelism. Yeah, you know, there aren't really a lot of Jonah conferences for evangelism, <laughs> are there? There's not a lot of like Christianity is better than your dumb religion, you know. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of not... Jonah themed conferences. I don't know why, but right. in, um... he's not he's not winsome. He's not, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so, you know, so I think the danger for many of us again is 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 thinking that 
something will be true of us spiritually because something is true of us in an earthly sense. Yeah. And that's just not the case. And so we yeah. need to be well, very, very I, careful that our trust and our hope is in Christ alone. I actually think the problem goes a little bit deeper than that, because what, what Jonah's doing and what we're doing in many ways is he's, he's giving himself the authority to identify who he is and who everyone else is in relationship to him. Right. Like, He's he he is going. I'm here's who I am, and here's who you are, and here's why who I am matters more than who you are. And there, and part of the problem with that is that the only one who has the authority to assign identity and then assign meaning to those identities is God. The only one with the authority to tell us who we are is God, right? And so and that and that's like look that's a countercultural message especially today where who like you get to choose your own identity and however you choose to identify as real and everyone else has to conform to your sense of who you are um and and i think uh what jonah is doing in many ways is he's putting himself on the place of god really throughout the book he's doing that he he's saying who he is and who they are in relationship he's saying who gets who should get mercy and who shouldn't Right. Um, yeah. Like he's he's placing himself in the he's putting himself in God's place. And I think when when we uh conflate identities like you're talking about are conflating conflating a spiritual reality with an earthly one, what we're really doing is we're saying I'm the one who gets to define what reality even is. I I'm the arbiter of what's true and not true. I'm the arbiter of what my life means. And I'm the one who gets to assign meaning. And I think that that's a, you know, that's a problem as old as the garden. Right. Right. Yeah. That, 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 that's, we're putting ourselves in, in God's place. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's certainly true. That's good. Um, I don't know that it's always quite that deliberate. No. Or that, well, or, or being fact, done consciously. So, um, well, sure. Well, like, well, as we've talked about before, most of that stuff is happening under the hood. Right. Right. Like no one gets up in the morning and go, well, not no one, but very few people <laughs> get up in the morning and go, you know what? I think I'm going to put myself in God's place today. Right. That's not how that happens. But it's like I just said, the air we breathe in our culture is you get to define for yourself who you are. Right. Like it's ingrained. And what I'm saying is uh, unless we're intentional of fighting against that submission to, to, to God's, authority over even who we are is not natural to us. And, it, and it's counter to everything, our, everything our world today tells us we should do. Right. And so, so you're right. It's not always overt. Sometimes it is like Jonah is pretty out there about it. And not many yeah. of us are as out there as Jonah is. Well, cause I think the the more subtle version of this is just someone who has been duped into thinking yeah, that because these earthly identities are what they are, therefore there must be a corresponding spiritual reality. Yeah, and so that's like the more subtle, kind of less antagonistic, perhaps version of it. Yeah, of, of, you've just been deceived. Sure, you know because I am a whatever you know because I'm an American because I vote a certain way because I've done all these good things because I'm a churchgoer because I'm a Presbyterian, I, you know, I kind of teased, I've kind of poked at this a little bit yesterday. I was like, oh, because I'm in a PCA church, you know, blah, 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 you know, therefore I must be right with God. God must surely want to bless me. And it's like, well, maybe, but 
maybe you'd have a fake faith or maybe just a very immature faith. Yeah, you know, again, like the only thing that counts, you know, the only thing that counts is, is whether the Holy Spirit has regenerated you and moved you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You know, the only thing that counts is that you've been saved by grace, you know, however you want to kind of right. word that or phrase that. But if that's not there, then, then you're just playing church sure. and, and deceiving yourself. And that's, sure. you know, that's kind of like the language of James as well. And, yeah. I, and I kind of brought this up as well, kind of toward the end of, he says, like, if you're do, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because I think there's something where we can sit in church and hear the word preach and we can nod and we can assent and we can, you know, uh, spout correct doctrine and we can recite all the creeds and whatever. But if we're not doers of the word, we're deceiving ourselves you know, or, or being deceived. Yeah. Um, and because we, we, in the sense of we're deceiving ourselves into thinking that we're okay, but our actions are revealing that we have faith without works, which is dead. Yeah. And so that's like my fear. I don't have like particular people in mind, but just, you know, we've been in churches long enough to know that this happens and that there's, there's, weeds among the wheat and there's you know I mean, that's just that's just reality um that there's you know if you if you go by the odds you know there's people in our churches who don't have a genuine saving faith yeah. and my fear for them is that uh they've been duped into thinking that well because i'm all of these earthly identities therefore i must be okay the, the reality is i must be okay with god and that may or may not be the case yeah so like maybe to use a metaphor and this is going to be a sports metaphor because, you know, I'm me and that's just how things are here on Matt and Kevin Talk Church. Uh, we do this with sports teams, right? So, like, if the Patriots win, what do you say? You say, we won yesterday, right? The Lord has been kind. Well, the, that hopefully you're saying. But, but you'll say <laughs> we won as though, like, you were on the field. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I was like, and I'll be like, occasionally I'll tease you and go, Kevin, when did you sign with the Patriots? I had no idea that that, that, that would happen, but we identify when we're not really identified. Right. Right. Um, and sometimes I think we can do that with, you know, with, with all kinds of things. And we'll go, well, I mean, my, I've been going to church my whole life. So I I'm on the team when maybe you've never really dealt with your sin. You've never really repented. There's no evidence of uh, ha the fruit of the spirit or anything like that. Right. And for me, like one of the like one of the clues for me is when someone's very angry about someone else's behavior, but totally blind to their own. Like I see this a lot with my daughter. Like my oldest will be so angry at my younger daughter for disobeying mom while she's actively not doing what what Anita <laughs> said to do. Right, and I'll be like, "You're super mad at Peyton's disobedience while you're actively not cleaning your room." <laughs> like, like, what's going on with? It? And I think, and I think, my my favorite, my favorite is when one kid runs in, right. and it tells us the other kid's being a tattletale. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right, right. You're tattling right. on well, them being a tattletale. But, yeah. But, but, but my point is, is like in that moment, like she's acting as though she cares about obedience, but she doesn't care about obedience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so like we do the same thing. Like, OK, I mean, 
we're experts in everyone else's sins while being totally blind to our own. And you said something like this uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we were talking about forgiveness, right? And, you know, how many times you need to, for how many times we feel like we need to forgive someone is directly proportional to our understanding of our own need for forgiveness. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so this is something Jonah's lacking, right? Yeah. Um, like he's, he's blind to his own stuff because he's bought into, well, I'm a Hebrew. Right. And that, and that ethnic identity has blinded him to, he, that he needs he needs the grace every bit as much as the Ninevites do, right? And so it and so what that's done is it has blinded him to God's kindness. Yeah. And so in many ways, like that's that that's the danger. Like when we conflate those things, we do, we misunderstand God. It can blind us to His kindness. It can it can make us not take His wrath seriously. It can. I mean, there's all kinds of yeah like errors that can lead into yeah. 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 Yes. And amen. I think, it, you know, with Jonah, I think it's a little different. This is a spoiler alert for, you know, all, all of my people, yeah. but you know, by the end of Jonah, like it, it's really interesting. He's such an interesting bird. Um, and I say bird cause Jonah means dove, but um, see, now you're just showing off. He you know what I mean? Like, like, like he, Kevin he, knows Hebrew. Okay. Oh, get stop. It. Anyway, um, like, <laughs> Kevin doesn't know Hebrew. Kevin was taught Hebrew by people who actually do know Hebrew. But Same. anyway, Same. anyway, it's it yeah. so interesting because again, because he, his confession is accurate, you know, like he says the right things in Jonah one, but even later in the book in chapter four, he says, I knew, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster literally relenting from evil yeah like, he like he's almost it. quoting exodus when god yeah right and that's how the lord describes yeah. himself in various places in the old testament it's yeah it's 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 a it's a correct sort of creed a creole statement of who the lord is and what his character is like and he says that because at first you think well maybe he doesn't want to go to nineveh because he'll get his head chopped off like ninevites were evil and wicked and terrible and scary profoundly and did, so and did yeah. awful things so it's like well i guess i can't be too hard on jonah because i don't know that i'd want to go there either i mean read nahum but by the end of the book we realized no the reason he didn't want to go is because he knew the lord was merciful and he did not want them to be forgiven and i think that's what it came down to is that there's, there's probably some sense in which he doesn't understand the Lord, but there's a, I think there's a, a bigger sense in which he just is fighting against God. I mean, he's probably more like Jacob. I mean, that's a good segue for you. Like how I did yeah. that. Um, we'll get to Jacob in a minute, but yeah, but he just, he, he's just fighting. He's just fighting against it. It, it makes him angry to no end, literally to no end, at least as far as the book of Jonah is concerned, that the Lord is gracious to the Ninevites. Yeah, he hates that. He hates it. Well, the, the, and so I, you know, so I think part of the, you know, one of the diagnostic questions I think for ourselves is, who? And of course, we would never say this. We would never like allow ourselves to think this way. We have to dig a little deeper for it to come out. But who do we not want worshiping with us? Yeah, you know. And of course, we would never. You know, the correct answer that we would all say is, well, no, that we're welcome. We're open to all. And I hope that that's true. But I have to kind of wonder, and, and even in my own heart, are there people that if they were to come into the sanctuary on a Sunday morning and be like, oh boy, they're hard. They're hard to deal with. I don't, 
or man, if, if, especially if more than one, if like a whole, you know, several dozen of a particular demographic, whether it's social economic demographic or racial or national yeah. or whatever, or Yankees fans, or, you know, well, I mean, I don't want to worship with the Yankees fans well, either. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, but <laughs> like, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Don't where, email us. But like, where that yeah. would, there goes our New yeah. York listener base again. Um, yeah. But we're pandering to anyway. But <laughs> but you know, were there were to be a particular demographic that came in that we would just have a really hard time with. That man, those people are going to change the dynamic of our church. And as soon as we think in terms of our church and those, like we're just we're exposed. Yeah. This isn't our church and those people aren't those people like they're image bearers who God loves. Mm. And, you know, we'll see if he's gracious enough to pour out his mercy on them and save them. And if so, let's celebrate it and not be like Jonah and be like, Oh man, now I have to go to the Ninevites and worship alongside them. That's just going to change the way I want to do church. So one of the things you're, teasing out here uh, is again, the connection to James, right? So Jonah has right view of God, like his doctrine is right. Yeah. But his practice is wrong. His orthodoxy, you know, we'd go thumbs up, right? Right. But his orthopraxy, you know, he's getting a D probably, you know, like (laughs) I say D because he eventually goes right. Like he, right begrudgingly but yes yeah so but see but see but see that but that's the point right that uh he 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 thinks the right thing but it doesn't lead him necessarily to doing the right thing right um and if it doesn't lead you to doing the right thing um you have to wonder if you've really believed yeah i almost told um, the sermon something like orthodoxy and orthopraxy or something like that but well you know it's getting too wordy it is getting too wordy, but yeah. but here on the podcast we can. So orthodoxy, uh, <laughs> just should, to define it, we, uh, we could do like you know uh, B sides of like all of the f- sermon titles that we didn't go with. <laughs> so a, a friend of mine, uh, John Needham, and John Needham, if you are listening to this, you're doing awesome work in Bremerton. Uh, he actually has a podcast where he and another pastor on staff of his church called B sides where they unpack the stuff he didn't get to in a sermon. Yeah. yeah. I remember you telling me about that. So yeah. I was like, Oh, that's a funny idea. And I don't know that it, it would be worth. Well, and you, well, and I don't know how he's got time for that. Like it's awesome that he does and praise the right, Lord. But right. I just think, and a lot of the stuff I cut, and this is not having anything to do with what we're talking about is stuff I'm interested in, but I'm not sure that my people care that much about. Well, like, yeah. And it's, and it's like, there's a reason it was cut. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, there are some fun things yeah. that I, you know, I didn't put in because it's like, well, I don't really know where that fits. I will say though, that B-Size podcast, I enjoy it, but partly because I'm just sort of a theology nerd. And so, you know, I I get into all that, but anyway, we've, we've gone way off the rails. Right. (laughs) So what what you were getting at was, you know, I I thought you were going to quote James 2 19, where he says, you believe that God is one. Right. Again, this, I talked about this in my sermon briefly where like, which, which is sort of echoing the Shema, right. In Deuteronomy six. Right. Right. Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, which is sort of like a stand-in for, like when you say you believe that um, God is one, it's sort of a stand-in for saying like you have correct theology. Yeah, it's not getting. It sort of stands for the whole thing, right? It's almost like a merism. Yeah. But you know, he says you do well, but even the demons believe that and they shudder. You know, so again, the demons have correct orthodoxy; they believe the right things. I think the demons probably have better christology and theology than we do maybe 
but yeah, they maybe. don't but th- but they don't worship him. They don't bow the knee to him. Like they know who he is. Yeah. But they don't bow the knee. They don't yeah. fear him in the same in the same way that we're called to fear him. Yeah. In terms of reverencing him. Yeah. They profane his name. Yeah. And so like again, like their orthodoxy and their orthopraxy aren't connected at all. In fact, there's a to- there's a total disconnect. In fact, if you right. wanna if you wanna sum up Jonah's problem, like that'd be a decent summary. There are other things you could say because he's a complicated character and there's just a lot going on there. Yeah, he is. Which um, is what makes him such a great so it makes it a great piece of literature. Yeah. And I know it's not just literature, like I know it's literature, right. but but because of it, he's a he is a complicated yeah. It's a complicated story. Right. Right. Well, we do a lot of finger wagging at Jonah, but I mean, at least when I taught it, I found myself relating and understanding him. Like I have empathy for Jonah. I think, I think he's a mirror. I think he mirrors us. Um, It, again, we can, maybe, maybe sometime we'll do an episode, just unpack Jonah, but it it's because that'd be fun. But it's uh, anyway, one of the, one of his problems is a disconnect between, uh, you know, orthodoxy, right belief, and orthopraxy, right practice. And I actually think, you know, we're seeing a lot of that in the church today, right? Well, I take a, I go one more and um, say, and also orthopathos, which is right, right feeling or emotion. Right. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have compassion like the Lord does. Yeah. Right. So the orthopraxy, that's good pathos as well. So anyway, sorry, I keep going. No, 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 I was just saying. So I just think that's, you know, that that's there's a lot of that happening in the church yeah yeah there's a disconnect and 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 when those things are disconnected um all manner of error can can happen so yeah. i think maybe that's a good uh, place to take a break we've talked about jonah and uh we're going to talk a little bit about jacob uh when we get back so we'll be right go grab yourself a beverage and we'll be right back with more of matt and kevin talk church Hey, we're back. It's Matt and Kevin. We're still talking church, and we've been talking about the idea of earthly identities versus spiritual realities. Been talking about the book of Jonah and that complicated character named Jonah and how he often conflates his earthly identities, such as being a Hebrew, such as outwardly anyway, fearing Adonai, the Lord God, and conflates that with some sort of spiritual reality, which he seems to assume he is okay with God when really he's at odds with the Lord. Um, and so that's a tendency that we tend to fall into. We've been talking about that. We're going to turn the page a bit here, turn back to the book of Genesis, where Matt has been going through a sermon series and talk about uh, uh, Jacob. Take it away. Tell us so, about Jacob. It's, it's about Jacob, but it's also about, uh, in, in some other ways, Joseph. So where I am in Genesis is I'm towards the end. And I'll just say, I was laying out my cards on the table. Like, I didn't think my sermon yesterday was like my best work. Um, it's just one, so it's nice to have another. I didn't think so crack at it. Well, it wasn't. I haven't like heard it. Just, I'm just giving you. It just time. wasn't. But but I, anyway, <laughs> um, but I'll listen to it later, and then I'll yeah. be like, yeah, that was that was really terrible. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't. You know. <laughs> anyway, it it could it couldn't have been worse than the Red Sox weekend. Well, I the stakes are higher, but 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 yeah, no. But anyway, uh. The theme of the last movement of the book, which is really Joseph's story, I think is really about God's sovereignty and how he is sovereignly working out the details of Joseph's life to uh, preserve a people for himself. Right. And so um, we get to uh, chapter 47, where Pharaoh 
um, he, you know, Abraham, Abraham and Joseph, excuse me, Jacob and Joseph are reunited, right? After uh, his Joseph having been sold into slavery by his brothers, the worst moment in Jacob in Jacob's life is being is becoming untrue, right? So there's this reunion. Pharaoh hears about this and provides all kinds of food and camels and donkeys to relocate Jacob and his family to Egypt because there's a famine going on. A famine that, by the way, God revealed to, J- to Joseph so that he could, during the seven years of plenty, save up and provide. So right. that's like all background. Anyway, uh, when you get to chapter 48, the situation in Egypt has gone from bad to very bad to really, really, really bad. Um, and so Joseph, in his, because he's connected to God, is wise in his administration of providing food for the people and moving them into cities for the distribution of food and providing a way for them to gain back their wealth when the famine is over. Like jo- Because of Joseph's connection to God, he is a good and wise leader. And really, he's a precursor to uh, the true and better Joseph, Jesus, who's who, when his administration comes, uh, he will, there will be bread to spare, right? Right. <laughs> like, like that's, um, he's a pointer to that. But all of that to say, in the midst of the people of Egypt, um, it getting so bad that they literally give all of the money that exists in Egypt to Pharaoh, and then all of the land, except for the land that belongs to the priest, and then all of the livestock. While all of that is going on, at, towards the end, we learn that Jacob and his family are flourishing. They're not giving away their property. Their property is increasing. Uh, their children aren't dying. Their family is expanding. They're flourishing while they're there in Egypt. And just as a side note, it's worth noting that uh, God keeps his promise to the, Israel, to, to, to the Israelites that they'll be a great nation while they're in captivity in Egypt. Yeah. So that, so that like, while it looks like he's not being faithful, he is in fact being faithful, but, but I digress. That's another topic for another day. Anyway, we read at the very end of chapter 48 that Jacob, who by the way, has been his whole life is it been kind of a three steps forward and two steps back kind of a guy, as far as relation, his relationship with God, right? He's, he's a disaster as a dad. He's a disaster as a brother. He's, as a husband, I mean, let's not, that's not, not even worth mentioning, right? Like he's just kind of a, he's just kind of a mess, but he gets, he gets to the end of his life. And at the end of your life, sometimes things get really clear. So his family is flourishing in Egypt. He's about to die. And he doesn't say, make sure I stay here among my sons where they're flourishing. He says, Joseph, swear to me that you will send me back to Egypt that I'll be buried among my fathers. And the reason that's significant is because what he's saying is, is he's saying what matters is not the lushness I'm experiencing in Egypt in the face of famine that frankly is miraculous, right? Right. It's a sign of God's faithfulness to him. It's the promise that matters. He's saying, I believe the promise in the promise more than I believe in the, in my, present circumstances yeah i think what's i think what's ultimate is the promise and so send me back there and then we read in hebrews 11 that this is the thing that jacob is commended for 
that he says, no, send me back and worships in that moment. I think this really speaks to Kevin's idea about how we conflate things and we get, we get so caught up and know what matters is here and now when that's not what matters. What matters is not whether your address is wall street, easy street or Sesame street, right? <laughs> what, what matters is the, that we are children of the promise. Right. And, and because we're children of the promise, we're able to submit to the leadership that is over us, whether it's good leadership like Joseph, right? Godly leadership that points us to the true and better administrator and leader Jesus, or whether it's like the wicked leadership that the Israelites experienced while they were under the foot of a different Pharaoh. Right. Because what matters is the promise. And so, and, and, and the good news is, the pandemic is not what's ultimately real, right? right. Like COVID-19 is not what's ultimately real. It's not to say it doesn't have an effect or that we don't experience it in real and profound ways, but that's not what ultimately is real. COVID-19 is not going to have the last word. Your whatever's going on in your family is not what's ultimately real. Uh, the brokenness in your church and the brokenness in my church is not even what's ultimately most deeply true about your church is that your children of promise were bound for a better country. And if that's true, if that's what's ultimately real, then that can lead us into orthopraxy, right? Into right feeling, into right doing, into right belief. But when our, but when our field of vision is just so crowded out by the famine in Egypt, so to speak, right? Or how good we have it, how comfortable we are, how blessed we are. Surely I'm blessed. I'm an American. It misses the, it misses the point. Because Christian, you were not made for 21st century America, America. And you were not made for all the trappings of the American dream. We, ha we have, a, we have a, a better promise. And when that's ultimate, when that's ultimate, it just shapes everything else. So that was that's Amen. my sermon in a nut in a nutshell from yesterday. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. I, I should probably just not even comment. I should probably just let that <laughs> just let that resonate and linger for a while. Yeah. That's, I mean that's well said. Genesis has been so good because yeah. all over it is. You know, we we think of you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as being these pillars of the you know faith, and they are. But then you read the details, <laughs> right? And it's <laughs> they're not noble people. Well, and that to me, I find that affirming. I mean, maybe that says more about me than anything else. But I just go, right? These these, these guys are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's I mean, and if. And if there's grace enough for them, there's grace enough for me. Yeah. You know, we, we've had a, a number of people pass away in our congregation the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, like what you said, there's a certain clarity that comes with end of life. Um, yeah. Not just for the one dying, but also for those who are around him or her. Yeah, it, it forces you to think, what really matters? What do I really believe? What's really important? Yeah. yeah. And all of the, you know the silliness of daily life just 
it gets pushed aside for a moment when you're around a deathbed. Yeah. You know? Um, or, you know, around the coffin, none of that stuff matters as much. It's just, um, knowing the eternal truths and all people that have passed knew the Lord. And so it, they've, they've been joyous occasions, though they've been hard and difficult and worthy of grief occasions. Um, well, it puts everything in perspective. And so that's what I kind of appreciate sometimes about like reading Genesis is it just puts things in perspective. It, it kind of steps back and just looks at the big picture of what God is doing right. throughout history. Yeah. And say, man, all, all these little things, little things like the kingdom of Egypt, <laughs> little things like the Assyrian empire, uh, you know, for Jonah and the Ninevites. And these are little things, little right. things like the Roman empire that come and they go and they pass away. And the Lord says they're like a drop in the bucket. Right. You know, little things like our current age and our current goings on and, you know, whatever we bicker about and all, and all the stuff, it's just so small and insignificant compared to the things of God and the things of eternity and the heavenly city that we await. Yeah. And so it is, it's a, it's a clarifying thing that all these earthly identities, they all pass away. It's not that yeah. they're not real, but that they pass away. Right. And, and, a, and sort of a deeper, more permanent reality will settle in at some point. Yeah. Like when one of the things I've been like one drum I've been beating throughout our study of Genesis is of course, there's the promise of a seed, Right. That, that Abraham is going to be a father of many nations and a great multitude and his descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars and like on and on. Right. And, and this promise is repeated to Isaac and Jacob as well. Right. So, so this is like a recurring thing and we're not promised a uh, seed, um, but we are promised a husband um, and, and we await our bridegroom uh, and we may have to wait a while, much like, abraham did right his body was as good as dead yeah but that promise i mean that's what we cling to the bridegroom's coming he's going to come for his bride yeah and all of us are headed like no matter what else is going on the big picture is we're headed to a wedding and a feast yeah like that that's what's ultimate so again the encouragement is your hope your hope is in jesus and jesus alone yeah it's not in who we are. It's not in our bank accounts. It's not in our what's passport we hold. It's not in mm -hmm. any of that stuff, like for good or for bad, like whether that's, yeah. whether that's a good thing for you or a bad thing for you right now. It's okay because that's passing. And our only hope through good and through ill is, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let those other things fade away. Let those other things be, be small in comparison to Christ, at least in our hearts. Strangely dim, as the hymn says. Let him go strangely dim. Yeah. Amen. Which, you know, and to your point, too, you said, you know, there's a way that you could take this and be like, yeah, all these things don't matter. Therefore, you know, for, forget them all and rise up against it and whatever. But that's actually not what scripture would have us do. By putting them in their place doesn't mean we can disobey earthly authorities or, or, or just not be mindful whatsoever of earthly realities. It gives us the resources to deal with it, it in a way that's right. Yeah. It gives us the strength to say, I can deal with this. I can submit to this. I can handle this. I can love this person I, because I know it's temporary. 
Yeah. I know it's just for a season of life. We've all endured things for a season of life because we knew it was a season of life. It's like, all right, we can put up with this for a while. You know, whether you're remodeling the house or just, you know, whatever it's for a season. So it's fine. And the same way we're these our earthly lives, the earthly tense in which we live is just a season of our life. Yeah. And someday that that'll pass. And so that gives us the, the wherewithal and the strength to say, okay, I can submit to earthly authorities, good or bad. Um, I can handle life circumstances, good or bad, because the Lord will strengthen me through it. But also because I have, uh, because I'm I'm chasing after something else altogether. I'm pursuing a, a heavenly city, not an earthly one. Yeah, Amen. Well, you've been listening to Matt and Kevin talk church as we have just talked about identity and really ha- making what's really important our main thing. Uh, so, if we hope that it's been helpful and edifying for you, if you have questions, comments, concerns, emotional outbursts, what have you. If you're a Yankees fan and you want to like take us to task, you can email us at Matt and Kevin talk church at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at MKTC. With that being said, I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. We've been talking church and earthly identities and spiritual realities. Be warm and be fed. <laughs>